Hi there, everyone, and welcome into the Career Competitor Podcast. We are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I am your host, Steve Meller, and today I'm really excited to be bringing in a lifetime competitor, someone that has been tested beyond most people's limits, but certainly not beyond her limits. But before I introduce my guest, I'd love to tell you and turn your attention to careercompetitor.com. You can learn all about and see our most recent episodes on there of the show. But furthermore, you can learn about my service as a performance coach, as a cultural consultant, as someone who is here to light that competitive fire within you to optimize whatever it is you are trying to make that next step in. Maybe you feel as though you've hit some sort of roadblock. Maybe you feel as though you've just been falling short one too many times. Whatever it may be, careercompetitor.com. You can learn all about my services and certainly reach out to me through the website or directly in an email to steve at careercompetitor.com. Now, let's introduce my incredible guest today. Lena Spottleson joins the show, and Lena is the Director of Corporate Relations with the American Cancer Society. She is a former basketball player herself, and she is now making time after work to be the head JV basketball coach for the girls team at North High School in Arizona. Now, Lena's life was completely changed forever about 15 years ago when she was handed a stage four cancer diagnosis. But it turns out that this particular cancer diagnosis had no idea the challenge that it was going to be met with by this competitor that is Lena Spottleson. The fact of the matter was, because of her background in sport, because of the coach that she was starting to become, because of the human being that she was at heart, there was no other potential alternative than overcoming this cancer. She was going to find a way. She was going to get the job done. Being able to lean on those experiences through sport that she'd had previously in life, where she'd suffer major defeats, where she knew what it was to lose and have to come back the next day and go again. Going through this cancer survival was one of those journeys where, frankly, Lena had to constantly lean on those types of qualities and characteristics and those experiences that she'd been able to go through with her sport. Today, Lena is absolutely thriving within her role within American Cancer Society. And frankly, I'm really excited to be able to shed light on topics like this because I believe some of our greatest competitors, if not the greatest competitors in life, are those that survive the most traumatic and most difficult encounters. And a stage four cancer diagnosis is right up there with just about anything you can possibly ever expect to experience. So this is a a significant episode as far as I'm concerned. This is one that has so many teachable pieces of insight, so much fantastic content courtesy of Lena. And I just encourage you to really pay attention to this and allow yourself to embrace the story and the journey that is Lena Spottleson on the Career Competitor Podcast. And I hope you all enjoy. Well, it gives me the greatest pleasure to welcome in Lena Spottleson to the Career Competitor Podcast. Uh, Lena, you're out in Arizona, so you're a couple of hours behind me. Your day's just getting started. How's your wonderful Wednesday going so far? It's perfect. I'll tell you right now that we're still in the high 70s over here. So nice. I'm wearing a sweatshirt today because it's cold in my house. But the minute I walk outside, it's going to be t-shirts and shorts weather. Unbelievable. Wow. So many people listening, immediately envying your situation, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Um, well, I'm so glad that you've agreed to come on the show. And uh, we were talking before we got going here that one of the things that has been truly 
amazing for me over the last three and a half years with this show is when I've just put myself out there and try to make a connection with someone who I know has a story to tell that I know can bring so much to the show, how appreciative I am when they say yes, just as you did. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm excited to dive into so many things. But before we start going too far back and, and starting to really fill people in on the, the major sort of themes and stories of your life, why don't you just start by telling everybody what it is you're doing today within your current role and any other things you have going on? So currently I work for the American Cancer Society. I'm a cancer survivor. I was a teacher prior to this. I taught seventh grade and I'll tell you guys this, middle schoolers are not as scary as you think. I loved <laughs> teaching middle school. It was my favorite grade to teach. Um, but while I was teaching, I, I got cancer and I knew that as much as I love teaching, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that not only did what I went through had a purpose, but that other people had a chance to hear my story and possibly give them a little hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and so your role today with the American Cancer Society, Director of Corporate Relations, tell us a little bit about what that role entails. So it's a relatively new role to me. I just started um, in this role. I've been with the American Cancer Society since 2014. But the, the new role is, like you said, Director of Corporate Relations. And my job essentially is to get companies and organizations involved in the American Cancer Society in one way, in any way possible. So whether it's through volunteerism or uh, sponsorship or working with us on some other capacity, maybe funding one of our programs, it's my job to get them engaged. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And again, with, with so many of these renowned and well-established services, it's important that people representing the company, representing the brand are the people that can truly understand, truly grasp what it is that you are representing. And as, as you alluded to there, you are a cancer survivor. And we're, we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But a huge part of this show is bringing on former athletes who are competing within a world that is now not necessarily sport and for you the work that you're doing here with the american cancer society is in my opinion it's certainly competitive it's you're representing you're representing a huge brand an incredible service and 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 so for you as a representative of that you have to be competitive you have to be driven to represent that to the best of your ability but let's go back to when you were an athlete let's talk a little bit about the athlete that lena was the competitor maybe that you were when you were an athlete tell everyone about your background in sport so i started sports very young and and um my family i have three sisters three sisters no brothers my my mom and my dad they've always been active in my life and all three of my sisters were cheerleaders hmm. um my mom worked for the Phoenix Suns for years and years and years. In fact, she was a, a um, she worked for them for 35 years and she just retired in July. So growing up, I've always been around sports. Mm -hmm. um, you know, back back then, Phoenix Suns were, were big time and we had just gotten the arena. And I, I knew that I wanted to play basketball because I was just fascinated with the whole thing. So I went into sports which is unlike what any of my sisters did. Mm -hmm. So I started as a three-sport athlete. I, I played volleyball, basketball, softball. I was on varsity as a as a freshman in basketball, um, and I and I really loved I, I really loved it. Um, when it was time to transfer to college, you know, I wasn't good enough to play Division One 
basketball. I went to community college to try to play and I just didn't, I didn't like it anymore. You know, when you're, when you're going to practice every single day and your, your whole life is surrounded by sports, you know, it's, it's different when you get into college and there's some, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things to do. And <laughs> my, my life wasn't practice anymore. So it was really just kind of a life changing thing for me in college. And I was exploring other things, going different avenues. And then I was asked when I was in college, if I would be willing to coach a freshman basketball team. And I was getting ready to graduate. I had never really coached high school sports in my life. I coached, you know, a couple of rec leagues here and there. And when they asked me, I said, you know, I was up for the challenge. I kind of missed basketball at that point. So I was ready to go back into it. And I coached my first year at a school that was in the district of where I went to, not the school that I went to, but I, it was a school in that district and I coached freshmen and we, we lost two games that year, not because I was a great coach because I had never coached high school before, but because these athletes were phenomenal, but it really helped develop my love for coaching. And it was a totally different side to basketball that I had never experienced before. And it was more like a chess match, you know, where you were trying to out, you know, out play or out strategize the other coach. And I, I really fell in love with it. So that next year I decided that what really felt right to me was trying to figure out how to get back to the high school that I went to and give back to those, that community and those kids that, that I was used to, that I could connect with a little bit more. And that next year I got hired as the JV, the head JV girls basketball coach at North high school was, which is the high school that I went to. And I was hired by an assistant that was coaching at the time that I played Wow. And, and I've been coaching with him ever since. So um, I just started my 19th year coaching high school basketball and my 18th year at North High School. Oh, that's wonderful. So wonderful. And, you know, that, that, that's what actually launched me to reach out to you in the first place. This incredible article that really caught some, uh, caught some momentum, let's say, on, on LinkedIn. I'm sure it, it, did it surprise you a little bit just how, engage, how much engagement you got? You know, it was crazy. I had never had a post that went, that went that nuts like LinkedIn before, viral, you know? right? LinkedIn viral, pretty much. Yeah. LinkedIn viral, and I, <laughs> you know, I posted my every year. I post a coaching pick because I, I, I think it's important that that especially people that are in their careers, maybe in other, you know, in other careers, and and had a love for sports back in the day. You know, maybe it gives them the opportunity to go back and connect with the community that they were connected with Absolutely. before. I always do it, but for some reason. This one went crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and you know it's it, it is interesting how that sort of stuff works and how those things build momentum. But the one thing I, I can just say from from my perspective, having seen the post and and been drawn to it myself, I think one thing that's so easy to do in this day and age is get way too far ahead to start doing things today to set yourself up for 5 10 15 years from now but and this is a nice time for us to start to really talk about the the cancer survival story you know you're someone who appreciates the day i i have to assume that having spoken to a few cancer survivors now through this show and just through what it is we've been doing here with the show your ability to re- remain present and see the, the the beauty of of being available to a school that set you up on your path to to go back and and give back in the greatest way possible through sports coaching. I mean, as someone who's come from sports coaching, 
I worked with the the youngest, youngest, youngest level of summers when I first started coaching. Just little kids that I wouldn't even know were next to me unless they pulled pulled my my waist or something like that <laughs> because I was four feet taller than most of them. But for for me, I look back on that and just think of the amazing fulfillment that you would get from those opportunities. And I can only imagine that's that's what you've gotten from the high school opportunity and I assume why so many people were gravitated towards your story because you're willing to give back and that's huge yeah and and you know I I yes I do give back and I you know I I try to to guide these these girls these young women into you know the right paths but you know they give me a lot too they keep me young they keep me energized um they help you know, especially when, when a scan is coming up or something's coming up where it might give me a little bit of anxiety, they help take my mind off of those things. So, you know, it's really a win-win situation for, for both of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about this story now with, with your cancer survival. And it is something I always approach with uh, incredible caution and, and, and understand that, you know, for me personally, as someone who's never gone through something like this, I've now had the, and I consider myself so fortunate to have these opportunities to sit down with people like you and learn because the whole premise of the show, it's about competing. It's about setting yourself up in life, in your career to go on and be your best self what better way to, to, to learn those sort of tools and that skill set than going through something that is as, as simple as survival is going to get? That, you know, when it comes to survival, you've been put in a situation where the end is not necessarily something that looks good and you're going to try to survive what that situation is. And that's something that for me, I think is anyone listening to this show, careers, life, whatever it may be, if you're trying to be driven what better person to learn from than someone who truly understands what it means to go through this type of hardship. So in your own words, Lena, just, just sort of fire away. What was the story? How did you sort of get to that point where you eventually became obviously a cancer survivor? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I was, I was actually in, uh, I was coaching. I was getting my master's degree in education. Um, like I said, I used to be a teacher um, and, you know, just kind of living my life. I was, I was actually, engaged to get married. And, um, October of 2005, my husband and I got married. Um, we've been together for over 16 years now, so he's still, he's still around. Um, but you know, right after, after the wedding, I started to get a stomach pain and this was in, um, uh, I would say November, 2005, I started to get stomach pain and, you know, I went through a gambit of doctors trying to figure out what it was. It was kind of like a, a dull stomach pain that started in the morning, kind of faded out in the afternoon. Um, I was 26 years old. People weren't any, really expecting anything except, you know, maybe she was pregnant. Maybe there was some kind of other situation going on. So I went through to doctors for about nine months before they actually figured out what it was. Sure. I was going through um, all these tests and nobody could really find anything what what the, the cause for the stomach pain was. And one doctor even told me that women of my age, um, which I, like I said, was 26 at the time, were self-conscious about their bodies and tried to try to prescribe me antidepressants. Mm. And um, I knew that I wasn't depressed, never been depressed a day in my life. And I had to keep going for answers. And you talk about, you know, what life lessons that basketball's taught you. That's, you know, knowing what's right, um, perseverance and, and continue to find answers that you didn't really, 
you didn't really, you know, you didn't really agree with, or you didn't really think that's that what, what it was. So July of 2006, I finally went to a doctor and that doctor gave me another test. He looked at my scans and he said, Lena, this is cancer. And I'm going to show you why. So he pulled up all these, you know, all these scans that I had taken. He put them up on, uh, on the board and, you know, the, the light behind it. And he started pointing to all these dark masses. And he said, it's stage four and we're going to have to get you into surgery right away. And at that point, I had been going to, to doctor's appointments for months and not having answers. So I didn't really expect an answer when I went to this doctor. Sure. And right. And I and I um, I was shocked. Mm. I, I, I'm not really a super emotional person, but my husband, who is a little bit more emotional than I am, he heard it and I could see tears coming down his face because, mm. you know, um, you know, you, your new bride and she has Absolutely. cancer and it's stage four. And, and at this point, I didn't know what stage four meant. I didn't know what any of this stuff was, but what he did tell me was you won't be able to have children after this. Mm. So um, I think that's when, when it struck me kind of emotionally because growing up, you know, being a teacher and, and you grew up, you wanted to have, you want to have this, this great family and kids. And, you know, I have three sisters myself. So I think that was what, what hurt emotionally the most in August, they got me into surgery. Um, so that was July 20, 26, 2006, early August, they got me into surgery. Um, at this point they knew it had spread. They just didn't know how far it had spread. And I was fortunate enough to be at um, Mayo hospital here in Arizona, which they had the technology back then in 2006 to be able to open, open me up in surgery and test body parts as I was under. So they opened me up in surgery. They tested all these body parts. They found out the cancer was um, not only on my uterus, but it was on my cervix, my gallbladder, my appendix, my ovaries, and then a bunch of lymph nodes down my left side. Unreal. They gave me a hysterectomy, um, which means that I went into menopause at the age of 26. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of days later, you know, when I was in the hospital recovering from that hysterectomy, they told me that I was going to have to go into chemo and radiation. And being a young girl at the time, my first question was, am I going to lose my hair? I mean, yeah. just stupidest thing looking back, but that was the first question that I asked. And he said, yeah, you'll likely lose your hair. Hmm. They started me on a chemo regimen almost right away after I recovered from surgery. They put this device in called a port where it's it's put into your chest and it to me it looks like the top of a, a you know if you unscrew a water bottle and you stick it under your skin <laughs> yeah. um but the needle going into that chemo port is like a thumbtack it's thick hmm. so they stuck you know they stick this this needle into your chest and as much as it hurts it saves your veins from from dying from the poison going through it so after my my third round of chemo, it was coming up on on to my mine and my husband's first anniversary, mm. and and you know I was feeling sick. My hair hadn't fallen out yet, but it was it was coming out you know a lot. It wasn't yeah. completely gone, and we wanted to go to Disneyland for our one year anniversary. Yeah. So if anybody knows Disneyland, right, it's just full of people right so there's yeah. there's bacteria and germs and all kinds of stuff everywhere so the doctors were like you can't you you shouldn't go to to disneyland for your for your anniversary you need to you know 
sanitize, wear a mask, all this stuff. And I was like, I'm going to Disneyland. I don't care what you say. And which was it's probably not the smartest idea in the world, but we ended up planning this trip to Disneyland. I felt sick because the chemo was working through my body. We got to, to Disney to, to California in, in a decent amount of time. And at this point, my hair was starting to come out even more. And it was just, it was more annoying than anything. I wasn't really traumatized about it yet, but it was, it was just, you know, cause it was, there was hair everywhere. You would just, you know, brush your hair and it was just on your hands, it was on your pillow everywhere. You were leaving just, just hair pieces everywhere. So um, we went to sleep the next day we woke up, which was our, my, our one year anniversary. And I sent my husband across the street. There was a target across the street from the, the hotel. And I sent him across the street and I said, go buy clippers. You're shaving my head because I can't take this anymore. So mm. my husband on our one year anniversary wow. shaved my head before we went to. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. And, and for me, every time when we firstly thank you just for sharing the story and i think it's so important because i i can't stress enough just how potentially potentially disruptive these events are in a person's life and i i think that is something that we need to really hear in this story that you just shared is that here we are as a show trying to focus first and foremost on on getting people in a mindset where they can go compete find their optimal self be at their best but a huge part of that is embracing and understanding that that is never going to be a simple path and right. to hear to hear you talk about the amount of disruption that you were having to deal with just through the first year of marriage is something that we need to all hear and understand and appreciate that at any time we could go through a similar year in our life. And how are we going to handle that? How are we going to be able to accept and handle those hardships and those that derailing, if you will, of, of what you perceive life was going to look like and how it changed so dramatically for you so quickly. And I think listening to your story, what is, I think, amazing is by the sounds of it, every step of the way, there was an embracing on your part of like this, this is the scenario, this is the situation. And you alluded to a little bit earlier about how basketball may and sport in general may have sort of helped you out on this path. Mm. When you look back now on that huge year of your life and coming through that as a survivor now of what must be almost 15 years, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, incredible. Uh, you know, just amazing. You know, so when you look at that coming through that whole year and coming out the other side of it, how do you feel being an athlete at heart truly helped you, truly got you through that to a point where you not only came out the other side of it, but you may, if it's possible, may have even taken something from the experience as well? Right. And, and, and you know, one thing I didn't mention yet was was after my third round, um, you know, we went to Disneyland, we came back, I was getting ready for my fourth round and I developed an infection and it wasn't because of the Disneyland trip. Um, but you know, you, you toughen things out. Right. So, you know, especially in sports, you know, if you hurt and you, your, your ankle may not always feel great. Your, you know, your, your shot may not always, uh, always be on, um, but you toughen things out. And I was, you know, I was tough. I was toughening things out. That's what I was doing. I was, I was just trying to, to get through the day. And I knew that I, 
you know, just like in sports, if I could just get through the end of this quarter, you know, I can get a breather and and start fresh on the next quarter. Right. Hmm. Um, and there was a point there that I, I developed an infection and I, I had been, I was, I remember vomiting, vomiting and not being able to stop. I didn't vomit a whole lot when I was sick. I was nauseous all the time. Um, and you know, there was points where I couldn't even, I couldn't even walk to the end of the street, but this particular day I was, I was, I was feeling really sick and my husband rushed me to the hospital and, um, he actually got me to the hospital in time. Had I had been there five minutes later, I wouldn't have made it, but the infection ended up going, um, I ended up going into septic shock. The, they put a blood pressure cuff on me in the hospital and, um, my blood pressure was 40 over 20 before I blacked out. And like I said, had he gotten me there five minutes later, I wouldn't have made it through the night. Um, but they put me on a ventilator and I was in a drug induced coma in ICU. And they told my, my husband that I wouldn't make it through the night. Hmm. So my husband and my family. So everybody rushed down to the hospital to come see me. And, um, you know, I was in a drug induced coma. I didn't know what was going on, but I remember about three or four days later, I started coming up over the, the anesthesia that they were trying to put me down. So my body was getting stronger. So even though they told me I probably wouldn't make it through the night, three, four days later, um, I was, I was coming out of it. And I remember, um, it's, it's funny because as a, as an athlete, right. You listen to what your coach tells you and you, you know, you're, you're listening to what your coach is telling you, you're doing what they're telling you to do. And that's what I felt like when I was at the doctor's. Yes. I'm going to do what you tell me, tell me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do exactly what you're telling me to do. Right. So, um, you know, it's part of being coachable. So I remember the doctors talking and then just me just trying to figure out how it was going to get out of here. Hmm. Right. Um, when they finally pulled that ventilator out, I was, my body, my muscles hadn't moved for days. And this is, you know, me coming as an athlete and my muscles just not moving for days. Um, I wasn't able to, to walk. So they had to bring a physical therapist in there to physically lift me up and, and basically teach me how to use my muscles again. And part of that, that, you know, that strength or that, I know we talked about perseverance is from being an athlete. Cause I knew that I was going to walk again, even though that, you know, what they knew I was going to walk again, but that mentality, you know, it's easy for you to lay there and say, okay, you know, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to do this. But part of that, having that athlete's mentality is that you're going to do it and you're going to take one step at a time and you're going to practice and practice and practice until you figure it out. And, and honestly, I think a lot of that came from sports. 100% how to get it done. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. Like, what am I willing to do to get it done? You know, yes, I could, be in the hospital for a long time and just go about the learning to walk again at a pace that is just whatever, you know, I'll walk when I walk, etc. Or you're competitive about it. How do I get out of here as quickly as possible? Because I know I'm capable of getting out of here. And that's the key part here. It's not just, hey, how do I get out this hospital? It's that deep down, you knew you were capable of getting right. out that hospital. And that's right. the athlete mindset. That's the competitor within you that got you through just, I mean, just an absolute incredible story of of, of hardship and, and so many unpredictables and so many things out of control and, and, and just so many as well, which is so, 
scary to think of is just so many minor amounts of time that you were fortunate enough to be on the right side of and you know and that's that's huge that's it's just so incredible and um you know lena i appreciate you sharing that story i really do but i i want to bring it all now to today to where it is you are to how you're thriving to how you seem to be just covering so many incredible things on so many different in so many different areas why don't you just tell me now in in your own words you know looking back almost 15 years ago now to to going through this how do you find yourself still leaning on that experience today in the work that you're doing you know it's it's funny because a lot of times when you think about athletes and successful athletes you think about them winning but it's also important that um and and coaching right you know you think about winning and and and, you know them being successful when they're winners but you know a lot of a lot of what what I learned from, from basketball, because there was many times, especially early in my basketball career, we lost and we lost big time. Hmm. Right. I remember being a freshman when we were playing this team, St. Mary's here and they had a or South, South mountain here and they had a girl that could dunk peaches. Yeah. Mom. I don't know where she is now, but she could dunk at as dunk. A, a senior <laughs> in high school. Um, and, and you're, you're looking at, at this team and they're just like, you know, I'm five, four, so I'm not very big, but you know, this girl is six, one, six, these girls are six, one, six, two, five, 11, five, 10, you know, huge, huge women. And, and you're looking at this team and you're thinking, you know, there's no way I'm going to win. And it's the same thing. You're when you're thinking about, you know, stage four cancer, there's no way I'm going to win this. Right. But, you know, I learned a lot from, from those experiences where we got blown out by 40 because no matter what, I wasn't going to back down from Peaches Vaughn and the South Mountain team. And no matter what, I wasn't going to to back down from that stage four cancer diagnosis. You know, you learn a lot from losing. And that's something that I try to incorporate, especially now in, in my basketball career. Because the fact of the matter is the girls that I coach in the school that I coach at, you know, we're not not that we're never going to be state competitors, but, you know, we go through, through swings just like everybody else where, you know, we don't have winning teams all the time. Um, But it's important to bring those lessons out when those girls lose. It's not, you're losing by, you know, you lost by 20, you lost by 30 and, you know, everybody's down in the dumps. Let's take what, what we got from that game and let's think about what we're learning from this. And that's something that I talk about all the time. I use my cancer journey all the time with these girls. Um, you know, my favorite way to use it is they have, you know, a running drill, right? It's three minutes long, two minutes long, and they feel like they're dying. And I tell them, I was like, listen, if I can get through chemotherapy and being on a ventilator for six months, you guys can get through this two minute running drill, or you guys can get through this. I promise you, you're not dying. <laughs> and, and, you know, it kind of puts things in perspective, no matter how young or how far removed they are from somebody having cancer. Um, it puts things in perspective for them. And I know that they can push a little harder and they know they can push a little harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, not as, as hard as this is to accept as a younger kid, you know, everybody can't win. You know, it just, it's right. just not possible for everyone to win. And it's, it's getting them to understand the, the value and the, the teachable moments that come from loss. And I think, you know, you're obviously able to provide such a real perspective and one that the kids 
can probably never rebuttal, right? They, <laughs> every time coach, every time coach Lena comes in and explains things from her perspective, it's like, well, can't argue with that. So it's, right. it's, that's not a bad position to be in from a power standpoint. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, that's amazing stuff. And I, I think, you know, one thing I'd love to just get from you before I let you go here is, is the work that you're doing today, you know, you mentioned there with the American Cancer Society, you, you know, you're working as this outlet trying to um, entice companies and organizations to become more associated with the work that it is you, you, you're all doing there. But beyond that, you know, h- how do you feel the, the impact that the American Cancer Society is able to make in this day and age? Because I feel like the, the storytelling of, of, of cancer survival is something that is becoming so much more common, which is fantastic, which is great. Um, yep. You know, really where I'm coming from here, Lena, is, you know, what what do we all know, but also what do we all need to know about the work that American Cancer Society is doing? Yeah, absolutely. And and I was very particular when I, I left teaching because I love teaching. Yeah. And so I did a lot of before I decided to jump into a career with the uh, with the cancer company to make sure that it was the nonprofit that was doing the most in that space. Mm. And the American Cancer Society, with, which what a lot of people don't know, they know that, you know, they know who we are. They don't really know what we do. But the American Cancer Society is the number one, I'm going to repeat that again, number one funder of cancer research, the number one funder of cancer research. So no other nonprofit gives more money to cancer research than the American Cancer Society. They are only second to the federal government. So that's, that's to me is important because when we, we think about new cures, right? Everybody's the, you know, American Cancer Society has been around for a hundred years. Why isn't cancer cured yet? Because the fact of the matter is, is cancer is, you know, it's ever evolving, right? Mm. It's just like COVID that people are seeing COVID now where there's all these different variants, right? Cancer is the same way, but there's thousands and millions of different variants of cancer. That's why everybody's treatment is different. Um, so we have to keep funding that research to make sure that there's more people like me that can survive. Because years ago, you know, even though my diagnosis was 15 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if you got a stage four diagnosis, that means you weren't surviving. Yeah. And because of research like the American Cancer Society funds, I'm alive here today. And a lot of people don't know that they offer programs and services that are free to cancer patients and their families. My favorite being the 1-800 number. Um, and the 1-800 number is a live number. You can get up, you're going to get a live person when you call and it's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year in over 200 languages. So if somebody doesn't speak English, there's always somebody that can answer the phone and get back to you. They have an oncology nurse on staff. So if you have questions, they can answer questions for you. And even if you just want to talk, they, you can call them and you could just sit and, and talk to somebody live on the phone, which is, which is really awesome. And actually my favorite, one of the patient services that we offer. Absolutely. Amazing. And, you know, firstly, what I, what I love about that last part there of just the, the service of, of being able to go talk, you know, one thing I have learned over the years is speaking with people like yourself who are the the individual that's the cancer survivor? So many around you are also surviving the experience too, or going through the experience too, as you acknowledge your husband and your family on multiple occasions while you were telling that story too. So it's not just the person who's going through the cancer. There's so right. many other people that are being impacted by it, and and bringing all that energy that's required for that individual to get through it. So amazing, uh, amazing that you offer that service. And if you were wondering why, at the heart of Lena being on the show today about her, the competitor, you only have to go back to the fact that she 
made it so clear that the American Cancer Society is the number one <laughs> funder for cancer research. <laughs> not that she's competitive. <laughs> not but even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit, right? Um, but you know, that's what it's that's what it's about. You know, again, these uh, for, for the the world of non for profit, uh, you have to understand that at the end of the day. The outreach is is what it's all about. How can we make this impact? And hey, it, it doesn't hurt to be a little bit competitive about it because at the end of the day, it's the people that are benefiting from it. It's the people that are actually survive, uh, going through this process and hopefully surviving this process too. So I love it. Uh, I can't help but uh, you know just shed that light on some of the more, what I think the more obvious competitive components of your personality coming out there, Lena. I love it. Um, but at the same time, why don't you just leave everyone with information on Firstly, the American Cancer Society, where they can learn learn everything you think they need to know, but also just about yourself too. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us um, at the American Cancer Society, the 1-800 number is 1-800-227-2345. That's the, the patient service line. And then um, cancer.org for all your resources, you're able to get to get a hold of anyone there. Um, if you want to reach out to me and if you're if some, there's somebody out there that is going through a cancer uh journey or their family or friend is, please reach out to me. Um, people can find me at Lena Spottleson on LinkedIn or Lena Kareen, L-E-N-A-K-A-R-I-N-E on Instagram. Um, I promise you that if you reach out, I, I do it all the time. I, I speak to other young survivors, especially, but it's, it's good to hear um, from somebody that has already gone through that, that journey. So happy to reach out, happy to help out in any way I can, I possibly can. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I hope someone, at least one person listening to this feels the need to reach out to you. That would be wonderful. Uh, certainly a great use of our time. But in the meantime, there was so much to take from this conversation, Lena. I'm really excited to to kind of sum it all up here at the end um, now that we're done with the interview. But at the same time, I, I cannot thank you enough for your time, for your insight, for your willingness to just open and share the, this morning with me and our listeners. And uh, best of luck with everything you've got going on there with the American Cancer Society, with the team as well, North High School. Let's go. Let's let's keep up the great work that Coach Lee is bringing. Go Mustangs. There we go. And uh, yes, just all the best, especially heading into the new year. Steve, thank you so much. I had a great time. And that is Lena Spottleson, everyone. Such a wonderful pleasure to have her on the show today. And Again, before I forget to to reemphasize this, 1-800-227-2345 is a number you can call, the number you should call if you feel the need to reach out to the American Cancer Society and also find other information out at cancer.org. I have to just simply acknowledge the willingness to, to share and be open on Lena's part. It's something that we can all learn from. And in terms of what I personally learned from this episode, I loved her approach to emphasizing that she just knows that she knows how to get something done. She just understands that when push comes to shove, when it seems as though things are against her, she's going to find a way to get it done. Even in the most difficult, strenuous of times, she's found that ability to always see the finish, see the end and say, listen, I'm going to get to that finish line. I'm going to walk out of this hospital. I'm going to create the life for myself that it is I'm so passionate about having. And just a wonderful sentiment for us all to take something from. The one thing I will additionally add to that too that I loved is just the competitor that Lena is. That's what we're about, folks. That's why we're listening to this show right now. Somewhere deep inside of you, even if you're not as 
aware of how obvious the competitor is within you because some people really bring it to the surface on a day-to-day basis, I myself being one, but we're all competitors. And I truly believe that we're at our best when we are competing, whether that is an internal competition or whether it's external, that's irrelevant in my opinion. I think we're always gonna bring the best out of ourselves when we're asking ourselves to compete, to be competitively driven towards whatever it is that we are working towards. So I cannot thank Lena enough for bringing some of this stuff to our attention. I'm sure there was one or two things that you took from this too. But in the meantime, make sure you are taking the time to follow up with that information that Lena and myself just shared regarding the American Cancer Society. And make sure that you are taking the time to invest in yourself, to invest in those around you, and to continue to strive towards being your best self. That's what we're about on the show. And again, if you ever need to, to connect with me and learn a little bit more about the way I work and the way we, we can maybe bring that competitor out within you, you can always head to careercompetitor.com and connect with me through there. But meanwhile, guys, listen, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.